Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Former Cougar basketball player Jonathan Tavernari with us here on the big show. What's going on, Jonathan? How are you and yours? Everybody doing okay? I'm good, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Believe it or not, ever since I left BYU, this is the first time you guys have me over on the big show. So big milestone for me today. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome to the show. We're glad uh, glad to have you on. Sorry it took so long. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I'm I'm happy to be here, guys. So, Jonathan, what do you know now that you didn't know when you were playing basketball at BYU? Oh, that is a good question. Um, my goodness, I don't think nobody ever asked me that, Gordon. So, what do I know now that I didn't know at BYU? Um, Bit of wisdom, yeah. You know, uh, I had a, yeah, I had a, I had a long career overseas. You know what? You know, playing over there for the last ten years. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. It's very different of the mentality. Um, you know, I think that the one thing I wish I had known is how, uh, you know, the first the first rule to be a pro, you got to act like it. You know, and uh, when, you, when I got over there, uh, thankfully I was a part of a big program and, you know, I was able to adapt quick. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because in college basketball, you know, and I know we're going to talk about that here in a minute, but um, there's not much talk about loyalty, right? Um, and in professional sports, there is no loyalty whatsoever. And, and that was a big shock to me. You know, I, I, I had a really good career at BYU. Um, you know, but there were trying times. There were times that I was frustrated with, with the coaching staff. I was frustrated with myself, um, you know, and, uh, you know, thankfully my mom and dad were always there to steer me in the right direction. My wife was there to steer me in the right direction. Um, Coach Rose would have long conversations with me, which allowed me to kind of, you know, come back to the fold and let my frustrations out. But, you know, in, in, in professional basketball, uh, especially in Europe, there's no, not a whole lot of that. If you're unhappy and you're not performing, uh, they're going to find somebody younger and that can do it better and for cheaper. And so, you know, I had to adapt. And, you know, uh, you guys probably remember I was never the quickest. I was never the fastest, <laughs> never the tallest. And, you know, all of my game revolved around my my shooting. And so I had to adapt. And, you know, being able to kind of make the best of the situations that I was given. And I wish I had known that sooner, you know, because I think that, um, you know, it would have helped me not, you know, so much as at BYU as much as would have helped me, um, you know, more of my career in Europe. You know, Jonathan, I had a, a memory of when you were at, at BYU. I actually was down there one of the years you met, uh, made the NCAA tournament. I covered you guys watching the selection show and uh, was in the auditorium when you guys found out where you were going and uh, and who you were going to be playing with. And I remember interviewing you after that was over. And, of course, you were excited and up for the challenge in the NCAA tournament. Just, just amazing, right? So with kind of that in mind, how much do you feel for these guys this year on, on not only this BYU squad, but across college basketball who didn't have that opportunity to go play in that tournament? You know, it's, uh, it, that's such a good question. I think that it, 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 it's, re- it's super sad, right? I, I think it's, you know, people say, oh, it just sucks. And this is all, I just, for me, it's just sad. It's completely 100% sad because it, it, the whole thing is, 
these guys, especially BYU, looking at BYU um, specifically, they worked so hard. I mean, you know, it, they had a big change of scenery with Mark Pope going coming in for for Dave Rose and uh, for them to change and, and to do the things that they did um, and, and get to the point where they got. I mean, my goodness gracious, they were you know if not the one of the hottest teams in the country. And they had all the momentum, as you guys know, and you guys cover basketball for longer than I've been alive. Um, it, momentum in basketball is everything. Probably is one of these sports that if you have momentum, you know, it counts way more than football or, or you know, baseball counts so much as well. But with rhythm and shooting and the way that these guys were playing, it just makes me sad. You know, uh, so many cool stories. Yoli senior year, TJ Hawes and the scrutiny that he had around him. Jake Tolson coming back. Uh, a cast of new guys. Dalton Nixon evolving. I mean, there were so many cool stories. And so, to me, I just feel sad that these guys didn't have a chance to kind of experience something that, fortunate enough, I was able to do it four times. Jonathan, uh, you know, Mark Pope seems to be able to hit the right notes with his players. And by that, I mean he seems to challenge them and yet instill confidence in them simultaneously. Uh, do you know him at all? Have you noticed this? Have you talked with some of the players about his ability to do that? So I was able to meet him quite a bit um, when he first came in as an assistant coach uh, under Dave Rose. Um, you know, in the summer times, I'm always around the team. I'm always around the guys. Working out, playing, pickup, shooting, getting workouts in, and so forth. And so, I got to meet him, got to talk to him. Um, you know, we spoke a few times when he got when he got the job at at Utah Valley. You know, um, about recruiting, about connections in Europe, and things of that nature. Um, and you know, as, as as the time went on, about you know, with him at BYU, um, you know, I'm around, I'm around the program, I'm around the guys. Um, I had a chance to talk to him, and, you know, I know Cody really well. Got to know Bobby, got to know Nick. Um, I knew Chris, believe it or not, from playing pickup with him sometimes, you know, until he was still playing. But uh, he's a player's coach. You know, uh, I think that as a, as a player, you know, as, as, a, as a guy that played professionally for, a, for about a decade, the best compliment I can give somebody, I can give a coach is, I wish I could have played for you or I would love to play for you. And that's the case with Mark. You know, I think that um, he is a player's coach in every way, shape, or form, which 100%, uh, in my opinion, is the reason why, um, you know, Matt Harms chose BYU. And so I think him choosing BYU was a huge thing. Um, and, and to be honest, and I know that there were all these different fan polls and all these different things that all oh, Matt loves attention. But let's be realistic, right? I mean, you guys know basketball. You've been around a lot of Europeans. Um, Europeans can always go back back home and play for their league and, and because they have a guaranteed spot because they are locals. Um, but to me, you know, him kind of challenging, you know, and choosing to come to BYU after, you know, everything, um, I look at it as not even so much as, okay, I'm going to get playing time and this and that as much as, I'm going to go somewhere where they might help me develop because let's be honest, the, the improvements and, and the development that the guys under Mark Pope and his staff had in the first year. I mean, Kobe Lee went from, 
you know, being a, a good player, right? Just a, a solid, you know, college player to somebody that actually looked like a really good basketball player. And that's credit to Kobe Lee, but that's also credit to, to Mark Pope and his staff. And so, um, to me, Mark Pope, I know him well, and I think that, you know, the way that he develops players is, you know, is something to be seen. Jonathan Tavernari is with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, uh, Jonathan, you uh, you brought up uh, Matt Harms. And uh, Gordon and I talked a little bit about this yesterday. Uh, but I want to play these comments for you. And there are a couple of minutes, so bear with us. But this is his former coach at Purdue, Matt Painter, not only talking about him, but transfers in general. And I'm curious to your reaction to this. Austin, let's go ahead and play it. No, not at all. You know, I think when you look at the center position where Matt Harms was, like we tried to play – Travion Williams and him together, and it didn't work. Um, to his defense, he got hurt. He had two concussions. Um, you know, and so him leaving, and then, you know, I, I don't know how things changed for him. Like that, and that's what I kind of look at it like. I try to take a step back and look at it from their perspective. and like, okay, how did you better yourself? You know, are you going to go play against better competition in the league that you went to? No. Um, you know, when I look at the position and say, okay, it worked for Caleb Swanigan in that position. It worked for A.J. Hammonds in that position. It worked for Carl Landry in that position. It worked for Jawan Johnson. I mean, want me to keep going? <laughs> I know. It, it worked amazing. for Isaac Haas. You know, Travion right. Williams is going to be a good player. So, in reality, in the 15 – and that's hard to be able to reel off that many names in 15 years of coaching in one right. position. And so – but in reality – Travion Williams beat him out. That's it. And Matt was starting at the beginning of the year. He had some injuries. I was really looking forward to him coming back and embracing, you know, hey, I had two concussions. I was hurt. Let's, you know, let, let's, let's fight here. Let's, you know, because that's what you do. You know, you might have got your degree from Purdue, but you're not a boilermaker if you walk out the door at the end and say, hey, like, I want to make the league. Well, you know, guys that want to make the league work like Carson Edwards and Caleb Swanigan. Like, I didn't see that from him. Did he work hard in practice? Sure. Did he work hard in games? Sure. Was he a good player for us? Yes. But if you take him and rank him against those guys I just mentioned, where would you rank him? You know, and so Travion Williams beat him out, and then he wants to move on. Then that's his choice. He got his degree from here. What do you, what do you think about a, a coach saying something like that uh, about a former player transferring? You know, it's it, uh, I'll tell you what, um, and that's one of the things why I say that there's no lawyer team sports, right? Because here's the thing, um, that coach, just like Matt left, you know, if he had an offer to go coach at, at North Carolina, obviously that's not going to happen, but it, do you think that he would, you know, he would accept? Now, there's some of the things that, you know, I – and just this is how I was, you know, that's how I am, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the transfer portal now um, is something, uh, and Gordon, you know, you're a little bit, I won't say that you're older, but you're a little bit more experienced than, than all of us here. <laughs> it's not something, it's, it, it didn't it used to be that way. It's something new. And it's something that it's, it, nowadays, it's the norm, right? Um, you know, my freshman year, I was frustrated that I wasn't playing. And, you know, I never contemplated transferring, but I did talk to my mom and dad about it because I'm like, I'm not happy here. And my mom said, you know what, that's great, but you gave your word that you would get an education and play four years there, and that's what you're going to do. And that's what I did. And so I understand that, you know, there are situations that things don't work out. 
look at Jake Toulson at the beginning of his career at BYU and going to you know Utah Valley and becoming a phenomenal player. And then he came back to BYU. And so uh, times are different. And so um, it is, you know, I will say this. BYU, um, the most important thing out of BYU getting Matt Harms, to me personally, is the fact that Mark Pope went toe-to-toe with a blue-blood program like Kentucky and won, right? And I don't think that this is a knock on Matt on how good he is or his quality as a player. I just think that when you're looking at BYU and Mark uh, Pope making a name for himself, the fact that he went toe-to-toe with a blue-blood program and won, that to me stands out more than anything. Does the coach have a point in talking about the quality of the league? I don't think you can compare the league that Purdue plays in with the quality of the league that BYU plays in, right? And so I think, you know, that's, that's kind of true, right? And it's kind of argue against that. Um, but at the same time, you know, things change, times change. Guys nowadays are comfortable going elsewhere and changing, and it's a possibility, and it's, it's the culture now. And, you know, the generation now thinks different than, you know, how I used to think. And, and so I think that it's – it is what it is, but I also, like I said, like I started the interview saying, there's no loyalty in sports, and uh, you know, and, and and to me, that's the that's the thing that you know stands out the most. You know, Jonathan and Jake, my my point of view on this is that every situation is different. Some guys are looking like the coach said; they're kind of like he's not a boiler maker because he didn't stick it out. Yeah, there are cases where guys transfer because they're either soft or they're disloyal or they uh, or, or they don't want to work hard or you know there's different reasons. But there are right. also are players who don't feel comfortable for whatever reason or don't connect with a coach for whatever reason or don't feel like that they are becoming the player that they thought they would be that they think that they're capable of becoming. And so right. when he when, when a guy gets to the point where He's a graduate transfer. Uh, he's he's got his degree, right? Isn't that what the coach said? He's got his degree, so he's looking for an opportunity, a change of scenery. And, and, and he was impressed with Mark Pope, and he thought this is a guy I can thrive under. I don't have a problem with that because I want guys to find themselves in the best situations they can. And if it's not working out where you are after you've been there for three years, I don't have a problem with a guy going somewhere else if he thinks that's what's best for him and his future. I, and you know what? That's a, that's a good point. That's a valid point, right? Um, you know, to be honest with you, when I think graduate fr- transfer, and you guys will probably relate to this more because, you know, back about 10 years ago when, you know, we were in the Mountain West and Utah was in the Mountain West, um, you know, I, you guys probably remember Kevin Kruger, uh, Lon Kruger's son. You guys remember him yeah. transferred from ASU? Yeah, yeah. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And he was a fantastic player for UNLV. And he kind of got started the whole thing of UNLV being really good back then and kind of got them going again. And so when I think of graduate transfers, to me personally, I think of him and I think of Jake Tulson, right? And so, yes, you know, I I think that there is somewhat of a situation and it's a double-edged sword, right? And, you know, kind of circles back to what, you know, it's, this whole thing with Michael Jordan and the last dance, there are different types of leadership. There are different types of attitude, right? And so, you know, we're all each unique 
you know, individuals that we kind of choose our own path. You know, I personally, I'm the type of guy that I would try to stick it out. You know, in my career, um, I got traded twice. One time I got traded because it was my first year and I was, I had a contract with a really big team and I wasn't getting much playing time, but they needed me to develop. And so they sent, they traded me to a lower, uh, you know, a, a, a team that wasn't as good for me to be able to get playing time. The only other time I ever got traded in my career was when I demanded a trade because I had gone four months without getting a payment, a, a paycheck. And I said, you know, this is ludicrous. I'm the team captain, but I'm sorry. I got a family to feed and I don't care about anybody else except for the well-being of my family. And so every other situation, I kind of, you know, figure out a way to work it out. Right. And so maybe I should have demanded a couple of other trades and to be released and sign with somebody else. But that's me. That's how I chose to do things. Right. I chose to, I choose to stick it out and figure out a way and just, you know, work the problem. Right. And so, and, uh, and, but to your point, Gordon, I, you know, I, I really like what you said about, you know, times are different. Um, each one of us are our own individuals and we have to respect that. Right. I think, you know, and as a BYU guy, the one thing that Matt Harms brings to BYU is something that when was the last time you saw BYU have a legit seven footer. There was a rim protector, you know, uh, Brendan Davies, uh, sorry, uh, Trent Placed. Uh, Chris Miles, I mean, you know, when was the last time BYU had a legit guy that was that tall? And so, and now they have, uh, you know, they have a front court that's going to be, you know, six seven, six eight, or taller. And so BYU benefited from this tremendously, um, you know, and I think that Matt, you know, has, he has his qualities, um, you know, has his, you know, his, his, his qualities and, you know, his defects and, um, but still, I think that it's it, times are different now. And if you're going to hold that, you know, the, and again, to the coach's point, um, everybody should be held to, to that same standard. Then, because if he's not a boiler maker anymore, then does that mean that once the coach gets a better offer somewhere, does that mean that people can say, oh, you know what, you were never a boiler maker because you just left for more money? And so it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. And, you know, but again, we're all different. And I guess we all have to respect, you know, our own decisions. Jonathan, real quick before we let you go, uh, you mentioned you played overseas for years. And, uh, you know, in this career, I've had a chance to interact with a lot of guys who played over there. And they all have wild stories, whether it's cultural differences or differences in the way they do things or bad actors or, or crazy fans or whatever. They all have wild, entertaining stories. Is there a story about playing overseas that you can tell us today? Yep, I'll tell you that too real quick, Jake. Um, the first one is when I was playing in, in Naples, in Italy, my first time playing there, um, my team president called one of our Americans um, and said, listen, you got two options. Um, you either take this, you know, this buyout, which was way, you know, way less than he was supposed to get, um, you, you can leave right now, or you can take the whole money that, you, that we owe you in this little briefcase and just, you know, and kind of go your way. And it was kind of like a trick thing because the, the player was like, well, I want to take the whole money. <laughs> well, during the meeting, the team president had somebody put some drugs in the car. And as soon as my guy drove away, police surrounded, police surrounded no. him, arrested him for <laughs> drug possession, and he spent a night in jail. Um, he, you know, about 24 hours later, they gave him a phone call. He called me. 
right after he called me, I'm about to leave the house. I get a call from the GM says, Hey, whatever you do, you need, he really needs to go home. And so I go to the jail. He's like, man, I've been trying to call you this and that. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, well, they're telling me now that instead of getting like, it was a really big buyout, six figure. He's like, well, instead of getting paid everything I need, they're only going to give me 10 grand for me to leave. And I'm like, and I'm like, and you're waiting what to be able to just get the money and run. Because if these people uh, got you to be able to get kind of set up this way, what are you waiting to just get that money and go to the airplane? And so, wow. and the other one that I, that's wow. the first story. The second, the second one is I had a teammate. We just got to Milan to play in Milan. And I had a teammate that was the biggest party, just the biggest partier you could ever imagine. Like really big. And he gets, we get there the day before the game and no, and right after dinner, nobody sees him and nobody knows where he is the night the morning at breakfast, the shoot around, at lunch, at the afternoon snack before the game. Nobody knows where he is. Finally, about an hour and a half before the game when we're pulling up to the arena, um, I get a call from him. He's on a cab coming home uh, because apparently he spent the whole night in the club. He passed out and slept at the club, and he was friends with the owner. And then he shows up to play, and he's drunk out of his mind. He drops 20 points in the game. We win the game. The next day, we have a flight out of there to go back home, and he misses the flight. He misses everything because he's back at the club, passed out in Milan again, and the team flies him home, and because he was our best player, the team only fined him like 100 bucks. And, uh, you know, but that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen, somebody just drunk that you could smell alcohol and timeouts next to him. And he had just put the team on his back and, you know, I couldn't make a shot to save my life. And, you know, by far, whenever I think about the crazy stories in Europe, those are the two ones that come to mind. Those are awesome. Those are good ones. Those are awesome. Yep. Well, Jonathan, we certainly appreciate your time. This was a, a lot of fun, and I know you go on with DJ and PK a lot, but we're going we're gonna to steal you from them every now and again. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, uh, it's funny that you said that. I always, tell, I always tell DJ, I'm like, you know, DJ should be really happy because he gets to do radio every day with the Tiger King of Utah Sports Radio. So <laughs> I think that PK is the Tiger King of Sports Radio. So yeah, I totally agree. In fact, I got to start calling him that from now on. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. That was a lot of fun. Jonathan Tabernari, former Cougar, with us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. How about that, Gordon? You you take the buyout and go on your way, or we'll pay you everything in this suitcase. What are you going to take? And they put drugs in the suitcase that is amazing i've heard similar stories that are really where you question the safety of the player involved you know and you heard him talk about the time that he wasn't getting he didn't get paid for what he say four months four months yeah wow oh geez that's incredible it is i mean because what would you do you'd be like wow what's the catch here you're gonna pay me everything or you're gonna pay me a portion hmm what what are you up to? That's Next incredible. Thing you know, you got the police uh, rifling through your stuff. That's incredible. All right. Yep.